Hello, amazing Suivera community, and welcome to another episode of the Heart Leader Podcast, where heart and mind align. I am your host, Amber, and today I am here with the magnificent Kadena Tate. I met Kadena at a fun-filled getaway retreat with the Miss Stephanie James, and I was just thrilled because she was my roommate. So I not only got to share the event with her, but afterward we went back and we got to talk about so many amazing things. And I learned that she is a business strategist and a wealth strategist, and not just like the business of going out and creating a career, but the business of getting to know who you are so that your career is an extension of that which I found to be amazing because you know the old adage, if you do what you love, then you never really work a day in your life. And Kadena really took that to heart and she has helped so many people actually live that reality. And so I am so thrilled that she is gonna bring that wisdom to our community here and share her strategies and so much of what she's doing. And she's releasing a book that contains a lot of these. So she can talk to us about that. So Ms. Kadina, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here and sharing with the community some of the wonderful things that you shared with me being your roommate during that event. No, thank you for having me. You know, it's always a joy to be able to share our gifts with other people because, you know, one of my biggest fears is dying with all my potential locked inside. So I'm just trying to do what I need to do to do my part. Yeah. So thank you. Absolutely. And you do your part so well. So I appreciate that. Thank you, honey. Well, let's talk about your, what you do outside of just being an awesome person, which is what you do on a regular basis, (laughs) your ability to reach out and help individuals who are seeking a fulfilling career and desire to make abundance doing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can you explain to our community what that looks like for you? Absolutely. Before I do that, though, let me give you a background so that we have context. So I've always been the friend who, if you were an artist, a musician, you know, whatever it was that you did, I am the person who would say, this is how you can monetize that. And so my friends would roll their eyes because <laughs> they would say, you're always thinking about money. I'm like, it's not that I'm thinking about money. It's just that spiritual people and creative people and multi-passionate people, there's a tendency to think that we cannot earn a good living with our gifts, talents, strengths, and abilities. So I just started noticing how you package your intellectual property and documenting it. And then I would say it to people. And then there came came a point where people were making money, but I wasn't making any money because I was giving away for free what I deserved to be compensated for. So I realized, wait a minute, I actually am onto something. So I basically decided that I would start hosting small groups, literally in my dining room, to teach people very specifically how to take what you do and package that, whether it's an audio product, a video product, a magazine, multimedia experience, live experience, et cetera. And so that's what I've been doing now for the last 20 years. Yeah. 
but also, you know, went into my childhood, but that's basically how it started. And that I still do the same thing. I love it because I think it's fascinating. I don't think that we are here to be a copy of other people. I think you have very unique gifts. And although the medium, like everybody could write a book, right? But your book doesn't have to look like everybody else's book. And I think sometimes we forget the power of diversity and our own creativity. And I just think that together we're stronger when we bring our unique gifts to the table. This episode of the Heart Leader Podcast was brought to you by Stephen Douglas. Stephen Douglas is one of the nation's leading boutique search and interim resources firms and has been recognized as a leader in identifying and providing access to top talent for clients since 1984. Whether it's a company preparing to go to the next level or a candidate looking for better opportunities, Stephen Douglas keeps the focus on the needs of the people they serve. They specialize in connecting the right talent to a company's needs while also understanding what the market demands. To learn more about this amazing organization, visit them at stephendouglas.com. Agreed. That was part of the discussions we had was, you know, we are in this competitive environment. Like I have this, so you can't have it. But if, if we took that instead and said, all right, I have this amazing piece. And if it fits together with what you're creating and we overlap to help build each other up, then we all win. Absolutely. I think that by its nature, most people actually are more into a cooperative spirit. I just think that unfortunately, the society that we live in gives you this idea that there's competition. I personally believe authenticity has no competition. I don't believe that anybody can do what you do in the exact same way that you do it. Even if you have similar backgrounds or experiences, there's just a uniqueness about what you bring to the table. And for me, the thing that I would say to you that gives me the most joy is when I help a person do the thing that they want to do in the way that they want to do it and not feeling like I have to be something other than that which I am. And so that's, for me, my legacy really surrounds helping you to be your authentic self, like warts and all, bring it all to the table. Because I think it's just a, a richer experience instead of us all trying to be like someone. That doesn't really make any sense to me. So cooperation, I think most people are cooperative, but sometimes I think that, the, especially with the internet, people kind of forget you're doing human business, yeah. you know, and we're one tied to another here to be of loving service to each other. And I think as long as you remember that, you'll be okay. You know, you'll, you really will. You'll be okay. And I think that speaks to the heart of what you told me your superpower is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which is connecting and connection, yeah. which flows right into our theme for this month, right? So it sounds like you knew your superpower from a very young age. Well, here's what I would say. People would say to me things like, oh my God, who don't you know? <laughs> or they would say, how, how is it that you know all these different things? But I'm always studying, right? I am the eternal learner. Like, I just think that there's so much wisdom out there to be gleaned and then to take that in and harness it as your own. And I also feel like when you're dealing with other people, 
as it relates to connection specifically, as far back as I can remember, I've always been that person who thought about, like, I'll take the houses that we're in. I'm the person who's thinking about who's the person that, you know, chopped down the trees, developed the land, built the roads and the infrastructure. All of those people take a part in the very house that we live in, you know, whether it's the electricity, the water, the gas, et cetera. There's like hundreds of people involved in what looks like a house, but sometimes we take things for granted and we don't realize that every single role is important, you know, from the person who dug the ditch to the person who's the, you know, world's most renowned home builder. I think that we forget our connection to each other. And I'm always thinking about connection, always. I'm thinking about what connects people, what connects ideas. I'm just, this is just something it's, I'm consumed with it. And so a friend, I didn't know it was my superpower, a really um, fabulous woman named Debbie Allen, we were talking and she's a speaker and she said, uh, girl, connection is your superpower. And I was like, hmm, I guess it is. <laughs> I just laughed, right? But then if I go back to like all the assessments I've ever taken, you know, like the strength finder, connection is number one. So yes, I knew that it was like, it's something that I'm good at, but I just think that if we just like took a moment to be grateful, you would realize that there are more hands in the building of your life than you realize. And just to be more appreciative of each other's gifts. I think we have a tendency in this society, whether it's class or caste or like whatever way you wanna look at that, we kind of look at people through these lenses and we don't realize that every single person fits a piece of the puzzle. And we just need to be a little bit more humble and a lot more grateful. And uh, yeah, and that's not from a preachy way, just something that I observe in my own life, right? Just to be thankful because you don't know, um, like I tell one of the jokes I like to make with people, you guys talk about the garbage, the people who are sanitation workers, but if they quit, you would need those people. You'd be crying and begging and screaming for those people to return, right? Because who wants to deal with rats and, you know, other bugs? I don't like the creepy crawly things. And so we have to just kind of be a little bit more humble and stop looking at people through the lens of less than, greater than, yeah. and more so of how we all are contributing to the greater good. Yeah. And I do feel like COVID kind of leveled that playing field a bit oh, with yeah. the notice of essential workers, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I personally was like, thank you to every single person that I knew that was still working and keeping our system going when everyone else was locked in. Absolutely. Well, it lets you know, here's the thing. And I, I think I shared this with you. I was happy that people were on lockdown. I know a lot of people don't want to hear. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but I loved it because I felt like it was an opportunity to reset and to help people see, like, if you're at a job, that you don't like, you really don't have to be there. You can recreate at any time a life that's more in alignment with your values. And I feel like in the desire and quest for money, people are doing all these things that don't fulfill them, that don't bring them joy. And so by sitting at home 
and really thinking about what you thought was important isn't important as all, at all. And you begin to look at those fractured relationships that are in need of healing. You begin to look at the healing that you yourself need in, in whatever area of your life that was present. And so for me, it was a wonderful opportunity to connect to yourself, connect to your you know, your loved ones, and then connect to the larger community to kind of see, wait a minute, why am I doing all these things that don't fulfill me? And I also find that in my life, a lot of people stopped complaining during the lockdowns because they realize it's time for me to take 100% responsibility for my life, you know, and that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. And I, I just feel like people look at all the creativity that was birthed all the businesses that were birthed. I, I think it's a fabulous thing. Yeah. 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 And it shows yeah. it's all perspective and it did come down to that connection, right? Yeah. yeah. So if you're willing to connect with yourself and willing to find creative ways to connect with others, you were still able to go further than yes. you would have been if you were just going through the motions of your everyday. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, so, and that's a beautiful thing yeah in your business how did you see that unfold you I mean you work with these amazing individuals who are bringing you in to help them strategize to help yeah. them connect within to find that spark that then yeah. takes them forward so how did you see that impact your business well first of all my business has was literally like it tripled and what was fascinating People that previously would just like be like, I don't need to deal with that right now. I'll do that later when I retire. So I know, for example, I know a lot of people who are judges and attorneys, engineers, you know, all these highly educated individuals, physicians. And it was kind of like, you know, they draw, they paint, they dance, they do all these creative things, but because they didn't know how do I monetize that, it was kind of like, Kadena, I'll do that when I retire. But the minute COVID hit and people were on lockdown, it was funny how, you know, now they want to blow up your phone and have all these business conversations. And I'm like, wait a minute, just because your business shut down, mine didn't. This is still a business, you know, and I have to run it as a business because, you know, when you're self-employed, one of the things that I think is really important, it's not just about like me pontificating how fabulous I am. It's the fruit of the labor. Like when you get to see that someone actually accepted the invitation to step outside of their comfort zone and create a business out of the thing that they loved. Like I have a friend who started his own travel company and he said to me, you know, I never would have done it because he's an attorney. And he said, I never would have done that if you wouldn't have given me just like the confidence to say, I can actually make money doing this and earn more money than I did as an attorney. Because that's the whole thing. It's like a loop that runs in the brain that you believe that if you're creative or if you're spiritual, you know, that money is somehow disconnected from you and outside of you. And so I really feel like for me during the pandemic, people got grounded in their spiritual practices and they began to recognize that, you know, by whatever name you want to call God, but like the spirit of God is moving through you to create wonderful works in the world. So that to me was 
it was a blessing. So yeah, like right now, I'm, you know, a little stressed in terms of overwhelming my business. And I can see how I um, can create space for more leverage, you know, like creating some type of licensed facilitator program or something so that it's not all on me. So I will say it, it's been a learning experience for everybody. <laughs> Great. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah, been a big learning experience. So for someone who doesn't know what a business strategist does or a wealth strategist or someone who does what you do, can you explain the role that you come in and help someone take? Absolutely. So I'm going to take something um, as simple as when you were a child, maybe you liked to write poems and you've kept a journal your entire life of your poems. And now you're in your 40s and your 50s, you know, and you're like, I really want to do something with these poems, but I don't know what to do with these poems. So I'm the person that's going to ask you, you know, do you want to host poetry nights? You know, do you want to build a relationship with a local restaurant, you know, or a club? Do you want to be in partnership with them where you host poetry nights? Do you want to write a book of poetry? Do you want to create screenplays where you bring other people in to reenact and recreate these poems? You know, do you want to create a short film that's like little short stories that involve these poems and whatever it is that you're talking about? Like, what is it that you're wanting to do? Do you want an audio experience? Do you want a video experience? Do you want a live experience? And then what I'm doing is helping you to take that and package it into whatever it is that you're wanting. So what happens is when people come to me a lot of time, most of the people who come to me, they've been doing something for a really long time and they're stuck in a ditch. So for example, maybe they were coaching for 10, 15 years and they're kind of burnt out. So I'm the person that's, okay, honey, do you want to do retreats? Do you want to do live events? You know, do you want to create a licensed facilitator program? Do you want to create some type of manual and training for corporations or associations or educational institutions? Like what's your highest vision of what would bring you joy? So I'm, the, I'm a revenue strategist. So I'm literally helping you to map out the business model for that. And then we're looking at the income opportunity. Because I think what happens to a lot of people is, and I'll use myself, many, many, many years, I was stepping over dollars to pick up dimes. And I'll give you a very brief example. I would run around and speak, Amber, and I thought, oh, my money is made on my speaker fee. I did not realize that's not where your money is made. Your money is made when you stand on stage and you're selling ancillary products, right? Whether it's your future events, retreats, you know, group coaching programs, individual coaching programs, books, tapes, DVDs, CDs, like whatever it is, sponsorship opportunities, magazines, that's where your revenue is made. So it wasn't until I, it just like hit me and, and it hit me in a way just to be very transparent where a person in the audience ran up to me flipped some papers in my face and said, look at all these notes that I've taken. And I went to the back of the room and you don't have a book, a tape, a DVD, a CD, nothing. And so now how am I going to continue my learning? That was my wake up call. It's not just staying on the stage and trying to teach people everything you know. You know what I'm saying? From the stage, it's recognizing that people need support once you get off the stage and they go home 
they need support on how to do it. So that's when it clicked, oh, I need to help them create the strategy for the how. So I'm the how, you bring the why, I bring the how. And then together we co-create miracles. And I think that's such a, an important differentiator yeah. because we do hear business strategist and we hear a monetization strategist. You are a revenue strategist yeah. Yeah. because yes, you have to have the business strategy. That's important. But if you don't convert that with the how into revenue, then yeah. that business strategy is a nice little booklet that can sit on your coffee table. Absolutely. And also, I think, too, you know, most of my clients in the very beginning of my business, everyone was a healer of sorts. So it was a lot of, you know, Reiki masters, massage therapists, um, feng shui consultants, different people with spiritual gifts, and everything was a one-on-one -on -one thing, and it was all with their own hands, you know, and, and that leads to a lot of burnout and overwhelm. So once you begin to have conversations about, you know, how you can bring other people into your experience, now those same people are leading retreats similar to the one that Stephanie did, you know, they have these group coaching programs, they have these very intimate retreats, they have all these things that they're doing, where they feel more joy, and it doesn't feel like work. So I want to go back to what you said in the very beginning of the call, my job, as I see it, you know, my mission, should people choose to accept it, is to do the work that they love, but have the confidence to receive compensation for it. Because you know as well as I do, if you're very spiritual, there's this tendency of guilt. Well, I don't think I should charge because the gift came so naturally. And I'm the person that's going to say, you're not charging people for your gift, you're charging people for the value of your time and for the transformational benefit that comes as a result of them working with you. And sometimes we forget about that. You know, We look outside of ourselves and we see the value within others and we don't think about the value that we um, bring into other people's lives. And I think that that's something that needs to change. And I also think that's part of what we were talking about with the cooperative versus the competitive type of energy. Because if I think there's not enough for me, then I have to devalue you, you know, because I have to get mine. I have to step on other people to get to the top. And I just, I don't believe in that methodology or that mindset. So when I say to people, honey, there's no competition. Look at how many cookbooks are at Barnes and Nobles, like stop it. Look at how many cooking shows are on TV, how many restaurants are all around the world. Like we've got to come out of that scarcity energy and we and move more into a sufficiency type of energy. And I think that once we reconnect with not only with our hearts, because that's really what it boils down to, right? Reconnecting with your own heart, with what you love, cultivating some self-love, some self-care, some self-acceptance. And then when you look at other people, you see those people through a lens of love, you know, and I think that's what it boils down to is just reorienting ourselves to the truth and not this, um, I forgot what it's called now, this capitalistic cutthroat type of energy, because that's very toxic. Yeah, we always talk about it as fear has been the product in the market for so long, oh, right? Yes. That's how we've sold everything from religion to politics to products mm -hmm. 
to corporate success. Everything's been hinged on fear. It's time for a new product. It's time for love to be the product of the market, like to actually be motivated and connected and desire love to be what we're focused on. And so that's the shift. And that's what your strategy is all based on. All revenue can come from that place of heart-centered connection and lifting each other up. And you even have a caveat, if you're willing to talk about that, of philanthropy once financial abundance is there. And that struck a deep chord with me. So if you're willing to share that. Oh, absolutely. You know, one of the things that I noticed when I first started, um, I don't consider myself a coach. I consider myself more of a consultant type of individual. And what I started noticing with my initial clients is once they hit like around 300,000, there was this, I don't know, it's this very icky energy of greed and self-centeredness that would surface. And I was repelled and I was like, whoa, wait a minute. I'm not helping you to make money so that you can sit high and look low. That's not why I'm doing what I'm doing. And at first people would say to me that I was being very judgmental because I would say, I don't wanna work with you if you don't have a partner in terms of who are you going to leave your money to or who are you giving your money to? Who are you supporting with your time, money, and energy? So for example, my work has been with the Dallas Children's Advocacy Center. So I would say to people, you know, this is an initiative that you can support not only with your money, but with your time and your energy. You can bring your clients, for example, say to a Habitat for Humanity and help to build a house. And people would say to me, you don't get to tell me how to spend my money. And I said, and I don't have to help you figure out how to make money either if you're not going to share and recognize that at the end of the day, you can't sit in your multi-million dollar house, right, next to the, next to a um, low income type of neighborhood and be okay. Like we're not all up in that situation. We're all down, you know, because at the end of the day, there's this, um, a lack, it goes back to what I was saying earlier, it's a lack of recognition of the humanity of all. Every person deserves to be seen, heard, known, understood, loved, valued, respected, and appreciated. And I think it's really important that we recognize that we should be grateful for what we have and we also need to share. And when you get to a space where you can really see that your money can be a tool, like I look at companies like Charity Water, what an amazing charity, you know, or like Dallas Children's Advocacy Center, where they help, you know, the children um, who have, have basically are the victims of the most violent forms of sexual child abuse, you know, or you look at Salvation Army or the Red Cross or whoever it is that you support. I think we've got to sit down and look at what nonprofit supports our value system as it relates to leaving a positive mark in the communities in which we live, work, and serve. So now in my client application, I ask this question, and it's always shocking. So I know you're not, if you can't see that as an entrepreneur, you know, there's a give back because nobody owes you anything, right? It's amazing exactly. to me, this energy that people have. Nobody owes you anything. And when other people patronize your business, you know how are you turning around and extending a helping hand to another? And so that's a really big deal to me. It's like, 
I've been a volunteer. I think, I don't know if I told you this, but you know, I've been a volunteer since I was like in second grade. I've helped elderly people to read. I've been a candy striper. <laughs> I've just done all the little things as it relates to volunteers, you know, fed the homeless, you know, just all sorts of things. And I, I just feel like we need to get back to treating people as people. And um, I, I cannot, this is like a really big deal to me. So I don't want to jump on a soapbox, but that's like a really big deal. Because what's the purpose of having money? If, I mean, what can you do with all this money, but support initiatives that kind of, I don't know, what's the point of having it? I mean, there, yeah, I live in a nice house and drive a nice car and all that, but you can only drive one car at a time. You know what I'm saying? And you can only wear one outfit at a time, one pair of shoes at a time. And, and then there comes a point where you have to ask yourself, when is enough enough? And where do I have a higher calling, a higher mission, a heart-centered mission for the work that I do? And, and so I'm happy to see with the great reset of the pandemic, I see so many wonderful women and men who are looking at their businesses and they're saying, you know what? I, within the offerings, you'll see the language that says, I don't want money to be the reason why you can't join us on this journey. So we're offering scholarships, we're offering reduced tuition. In some cases, you know, just come and, and invest what you can. And it's not about um, looking down on people, it's just recognizing that we shouldn't be alienating one another based upon how much money we have. I love I'm gonna that. stop there because I could go on and on about this. <laughs> well, I tell you, if you're going to be on a soapbox, that's a good one to yeah. be on. Yeah, yeah. It's but a now, really big deal. Yeah. We can move on to a different one, which is this book. <laughs> yeah. So tell us a little bit about your amazing work that has actually been done for a little while, if... Yes, yes, and almost. Now you're breathing new life into it. Tell, tell yes. us a little bit about this. So here's what happened. Um, this fabulous, um, it's, there's two women. So Shidem Kobu and Jenna Schwartz um, had these writing retreats. And I would participate in these writing retreats because I thought I couldn't write. Okay, so it's amazing how we don't see ourselves accurately. And so these two wonderful women would host these writing retreats and virtual writing retreats. And I would attend and I'd write down all this stuff and I just keep it in a notebook. And then I don't know what happened, but one night I got a wild hair up my butt and I decided to organize them all into a book. And this is maybe now I'm thinking like 10, 12 years ago. It's been a long time. I organized them into a book and then I didn't launch it because I thought, what does this have to do with my business? Because people would say to me when I would talk about courage, they would say, what does that have to do with business? And I would say, what are you talking about? It has everything to do with business. But because I didn't know how to sell it as a part of my brand being a revenue strategist, I just uh, printed it out. You know how you do the um, little spiral bound thing? <laughs> Set it in a drawer. And then the pandemic happened. And it was funny because every chapter of my book is actually on my website, on my blog. So what was blowing my mind is that people started reading those blog posts and then they would, you know, um, fill out the information box to work with me and they would tell me about how afraid they were. 
And I would say, like, what exactly are you afraid of? And it, and it would be this nebulous things like everything. I'm like, you can't be afraid of everything. And then I realized whether you're afraid to be seen or to be heard, you know, whether you're afraid of success or you're afraid of poverty, like there's so much fear. And I realized within myself that my biggest fear, I had, I had three fears, okay? Fear number one was that I didn't know how to merge the spiritual things with my business things because I didn't want people to think I was a preacher because I definitely didn't want to be head of anybody's church telling people what to do, even though I'm bossy, right? I was like, I don't want to do that. So that was like my first fear. I didn't want people to think I was a preacher. The second fear was I didn't know if I confuse people, you know, confused buyers don't buy. So if you bring in this this conversation around courage and you try to lean that into business and people don't understand. Now I just alienated my, my audience and now I'm spiraling into poverty. <laughs> this, this was my drama. And then my third fear was simply that this was going to take over my business and I love revenue strategy. So I was like, let me put this down. And so when people started really talking to me about it, I realized, okay, this is your, this is like your real work. You know how sometimes you think my real work is here, but actually it's that quiet, still voice that calls. So my book has been calling. So when I was talking to you, you know, in uh, Colorado, I started thinking, you know, it's time. It's, it's time. time. So now I'm editing it and I'm adding in some um, stories. I'm almost finished. And then I'm gonna be launching the book this month. And I'm excited about it because what I want people to recognize is that now is the time and today is the day to reclaim your personal sovereignty, to really look within and see your own worthiness and recognize that you're vital to the fabric of life. And so I wrote this book for myself as much as for my readers, you know, to just really like let go of all these fears, to have the courage to look fear in the eye, to be seen, you know, the courage to set boundaries with people, just like all the things that you may not think that it takes courage to do, but it requires, you know, just life in general requires courage. So yeah, that's why I wrote this book. And so I, I couldn't be more joy filled as when I spoke to you and then I've spoken to some other people. And then I, I think I sent you a copy of the book, right? I'm sure you notice I have like almost a hundred people that reviewed my book and they, and this was my other drama. I've always been like very, um, I don't want to use the word modest because that would not be truthful because, but I was raised that people's compliments, my, my father used to say, don't be attached to people's compliments and praise. And also don't be attached to people's criticisms. So I've tried my very best for 57 years not to be attached either way. And I gave myself permission after I was in Colorado with you to sit and read what people wrote. Cause I didn't, I'm gonna be honest, I didn't read them before because I didn't wanna get like caught up. And I just wept, you know, mm -hmm. that these hundred people, I mean, I said, thank you. And I was grateful that they did it, but I didn't read it because I didn't wanna be sucked in. And I finally sat down and I read those hundred reviews and it was just like, it's time. It's 
definitely time. Yeah, and is the hard. title, if, this isn't a working title, this will be the title of your book? Um, that, no, honey, that's the title. Yeah, yeah. All right, would you like and to share? Is, <laughs> there's no work. <laughs> no, and you know what? This <laughs> is exactly, this is the, the best way that I can um, communicate this. I think we all need to reclaim our power because I feel like we've taken um, too many years, too many moments of our life and looked outside of ourselves for affirmation, validation, love, confirmation of worth and value, et cetera. And I think now is the time to really, you know, like I said before, um, oh, I don't know if I said this here, but I'm a guide, not a guru. And so, when, I, when I'm talking to people and they I get really caught up in me and what I do, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I'm a mirror to show you to look within that you're worthy. And everything that you see in me actually dwells within you, but it hasn't yet reached your own recognition, you know? And it's really time for um, us to create courage around showing up and even if you're, you find yourself in this pandemic starting again, you know, to kind of ask yourself, um, how can I be the highest and best version of myself? Whose approval have I been seeking? You know, whose voice has been cracking the whip that has stopped me from being a person of full potential and kind of like move out of that and be someone's yes and, and just really like re-engage and light that match within your own life so that you can ignite and be, you know, that um, the joy, the love, the laughter, the peace, the wisdom, the whatever that your clients are seeking, you know? So yeah, yeah that's where I am right now. And so the title will be Cultivating Courage, correct? Yes, the path to reclaiming your power. Yeah. I yeah. love it. And they can go to your website to get it once so, it launches. Yeah, so, by, so what is today? Um, when this airs, by the end of July 2020, they can just go to my website, kadinatate.com, and they'll see it there. Yeah. Okay. We'll make sure that that is just posted everywhere below our <sighs> podcast, everywhere this podcast goes so that individuals can get it. Because yes, you were kind enough to send me a copy. And it is so easy to read, yeah. which makes it, you can get through it so quickly and go through it again and again, because it's such wisdom that you just want to make sure that it's embedded because the more you read it, the more it just becomes second nature. Yeah. And you so know what I wanted more than anything? So one of my dreams, and this is why I really tell people authenticity has no competition, one of my favorite teachers is the late Louise Hay. And I was blessed enough to meet her many times in person before she passed. And I always said to myself, you know, if I ever reach that level of visibility, then I would create that space where, I don't know if you've ever seen her, but one of the things that she would do, which was so beautiful is after she finished speaking, she would ask people for a 10 minute break, she would get grounded, and then she would sit on the stage and you would form a line. And so if you had something that you wanted to say to her, you could just walk up to her and say it. And so she was approachable in that way, right? But she had such a loving spirit. And I'll never forget 
the first time that I met her, I said to her when I got right in front of her and I looked at her, I said, thank you so much for showing up with your gift because you give me permission to show up in mine. And <laughs> what she said to me was, you know, that I want my life to remind you that you are powerful beyond measure. And I think that's so important that we give each other that gift because I, I think there are so many messages. Oh my goodness, I'm getting all teary. <laughs> I think that um, we have to open the windows of our heart and we have to begin to recognize that it's okay to be seen and it's okay to be heard. And it's time for us to remember that we're all lovable, right? Because we live in this society that can easily make you think that you're unlovable and unworthy and, and all these other toxic things. And so I wanted this book to not just be a book that a person read, but I wanted it to be like exercises that you can actually step into so that when you finish reading the book, if you did the short exercises, that you actually would feel more courageous, you know, you would feel stronger, you would see yourself as loving and lovable, and you would be able to go out into the world and do your greatest work. That was like really important to me. And you achieved it. And that's where being able to do it over and over because consuming something like that, if it's foreign to you and it's the first time you've ever done something like this, I love your heart. The fact that that girl, you are just, so I'm crazy. like, I feel like I'm on Barbara Walters. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, oh. not at all. But the fact that you provide something where someone can maybe step outside of their normal perspective and do something different, if they're willing to keep going back and do it again, even though it's new, then it starts to become not new anymore, but normal. Yes. And courage is just their new way of being, yeah. right? And yeah. it doesn't become so complicated to do new things, which I think does fold right into what you do for a living, that revenue strategist, because in order to help someone create a new revenue stream through their passion, they have to be willing to do something that they've potentially not done before and be a little uncomfortable doing it maybe. And so do you have advice for someone who is maybe in that transitionary period where they feel like they're cultivating that courage? Maybe they are on that brink of desiring to connect within and connect with others and bring a business forward that they've not been able to do yet. How do you feel that they can maybe take those steps if they don't have direct access to you, what would be some advice you would give them? So I have two pieces of advice and it's the advice that I use in my own life, you know? So if you look outside and you look at a tree or um, someone's yard, you know, um, <clears throat> trees and grass don't strain to grow, you know, they just are. Nature is lavish in its abundance. And so are you, you know, and sometimes we forget that we are a part of all that is, you know, we're not separate from nature, we're in 
community with nature. And I think if we begin to look outside, if we look at nature and you see how a seed can become this thriving tree, you can do the same thing. So you have already the seed of greatness within you. It's giving yourself permission to blossom. That's the first thing. The second thing is, I'm gonna go back to Louise Hay and it's mirror work. You know, take off all your clothes, stand in front of the mirror, look into your own eyes and tell yourself, I love you, I respect you, I care about you, I will take care of you, you are worthy, you are deserving, you are enough. Do the inner work because that's what informs the outer. Because when you get really clear about the fact that you're one tied to another and that there are people right now praying for the wisdom that you bring, you can get out of your own head and just show up, you know, perfectly imperfect. And it's gonna be okay, you know, because there are people who are looking for you. A lot of people, they can't relate to perfection. It took me a long time to realize that, you know. And I'm so grateful, for example, that the late Marion Woodman, who wrote that book, Coming Home to Myself, when she said, you know, perfection rapes the soul, that hit me like a lightning bolt. And it was like, oh my. You know, she's right, because we spend so much time spinning in these feelings of unworthiness and inadequacy. And the truth is, you are enough. So just remembering that, like even, you know, and that's what I meant when I started off the call when I said, you know, everybody can write a book. Everybody can write a book because everybody has access to your book, but not everybody has access to you. So sometimes it's just a matter of journaling your thoughts down like I did, and then one day actually reading it and recognizing the power of your own words to uplift and inspire yourself may be the same words that will uplift and inspire another. That would be my best advice. Brilliant advice. Yeah. yeah, we do put a lot of pressure on ourselves for perfection. Yeah. But you're right, there is, once you've attained that, there's nowhere to really go from, from there. Yeah. So why do we seek that so strongly when we're in this amazing experience that being imperfect is kind of the point? Yes, yes, yes. And it's well, I don't... a lot of fun, actually. I yes. find it a lot of fun. <laughs> you know what's really, really funny? Um, just very quickly, I love Dave Chappelle. And um, years ago, he did this skit where he put some white lipstick on and he was doing this skit about being in a school and singing nursery rhymes. And he was singing nursery rhymes. And I laughed until I started crying and then it clicked. Dave Chappelle cannot sing and neither can I. And it's okay if we can't do something, but we do it anyway, and we're not being made a fool of, you get people to laugh with you. So sometimes at my events, I sing in my horrible little voice and people laugh and I'm like, y'all see how bad I sound? <laughs> Listen to yourselves and it's okay. You know, just like lighten up and let life be an experiment in play and fun and giving and loving. And I think that when we begin to love all of ourselves, including all these things that we think are wrong with us, what you actually will discover is that the thing that you thought was wrong with you is actually the thing that will set you free. And that's where your most money will be made. 
because I can't tell you how many people who told me that I'm so bossy and that I'm always thinking about, like I'm the friend who's at the arena, who's counting all the seats and who'll turn and say, Amber, there's like 30,000 seats in here and we all paid 295. <laughs> And I'm pulling out my calculator, right? And I'm like, girl, you could get on the stage. <laughs> so people make fun of that. But that's what I do for a living. And that's what pays my mortgage. And it helps me to do my greatest work in the world. So just have fun with it. Like, we got to lighten up. Yeah, bring more joy into your own life by lightening up. Yes. And that does create the connections, too. Because I don't know about you. But hanging out with people who are always grumpy, it's not exactly the way I enjoy spending my free time. No. And so if we do just lighten up about the things that aren't perfect, like I'm going to tell everyone who's listening to this, we're in a different space right now because we had an issue with being able to get internet in our typical studio. It's a beautiful room. But, you know, you just have to laugh when there are things that arise, go with yes. it and let it be. Because if yes. I would have been on this call the whole time, like, oh my gosh, it's not perfect. This would have been a whole different experience. Absolutely. And it would have been because I, what I can tell you is that in the times in my life where I thought I had to say the right thing and do the right thing and everything had to be the right way, those are the times when I was least connected because I was so in my head about myself that I forgot about the audience. You know, that's what I mean by people don't owe you anything. Like we got to get out of our own way and just connect with people eye to eye, heart to heart, soul to soul. And your life will be transformed if you give yourself permission to do so. Yeah, because yeah. the space doesn't matter. The yeah. clothes that we're wearing don't matter. Absolutely. None of that matters. What matters is connecting with you because you're amazing. The wisdom that you bring forward is uplifting. And I have this unique moment in time yeah. to have with you and to bring that forward for others to share. I talk about what gets me choked up. That's what really gets me like so incredibly grateful because there are so many other things you could be doing with your time right now. And you've chose to share your gifts with our community and nothing else matters in this moment but that. So I'm really grateful. Well, I'm grateful because the honor is all mine because here's the thing, and this is to my point, right? We all need visibility and we need to be able to connect with the people who are looking for us. And so for you to be able to create that space without, you know, maybe you had fear, you know, around, you know, did I go to journalism school? Did I do this? Like you have people with all these different questions. I can't do my own podcast. And the truth is it's a conversation. It's one heart speaking to another heart, right? Yeah. And that's what I mean by alignment of values. You know, there were whatever, 26 women there. You know, I didn't get to ch a chance to talk to everybody, but the people that I did talk to, you know, I wanted to make sure that I saw them and I heard them and we connected in a way that even if I never saw those people again, you know, they walked away with a smile, you know, and I think that's really important. And so here our relationship continues past a three-day retreat. And what a beautiful gift. So thank you. 
Thank you. Yeah. So I have one final question for you. Yeah. We talk about heart leaders in the community. And we definitely would say you are a strong heart leader in the community. Someone who leads with heart and love as well as intellect. But when you hear that term, what does it spark in you? What do you feel when you are called a heart leader? When I think about what a heart leader is, is a person who looks within, whether it's your organization, your community, your family, I think you're always looking at people. And it goes back to what I was saying about how we each are an essential part of the fabric of life. And you begin to have a relationship with those people that gives them permission to be the highest and best version of, of themselves. And to me, a leader is always going to help somebody see, oh, wow, I'm seen, I'm loved, I'm known, I'm worthy, I'm deserving, and I'm capable and I have the capacity to be the highest and best versions of myself. And you can be a leader in any area of your life, but it boils down to when people are with you, how do they feel about themselves? You know, I'm from a military background, so I know what it's like with that mindset of we have to tear you down and rebuild you into something that you're not. And that's not true. I think it's important for you to give other people the invitation to be themselves without apology, explanation, justification, guilt, shame, or embarrassment. I think that's what a true heart leader is because you lead with your heart, recognizing that the words that you speak and the actions that you take do impact other people. And you can use your words to diminish or demean and devalue, or you can use your words to uplift and elevate and encourage and inspire. And so that, that would be my best um, definition, if you will. Yeah. Chills, I love it. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So once again, tell individuals how they can get a hold of you and learn more about you because you do public events. Yeah. They I could do. find you at a public event. You yeah. also have a lot of great information on your website and you'll be launching your book, Cultivating Courage, very soon. So yeah. how can they find out about all of that? I would say the easiest thing, visit me on my website, which is kadinatate.com. And I'm definitely going to put you know, if I'm having an event, I take people on retreats, we go to Europe and we have a hallelujah good time, you know, because I love Paris and Italy and Spain. <laughs> I, I love to travel. So I think it's really important that, you know, if you want to connect further, you want to have me, you know, come and celebrate with you, whatever it is you're doing, or you want to come with me, go to kadinatate.com. Yeah. That's K-A-D-N-A-T-A-T-E, right? Yeah. Dot com and we'll put it underneath all over yeah. the place so everyone can find it under this video or the audio however they're listening to it and tuning in yeah and fun fact as we close kadena is the name of kadena air force base in okinawa japan <laughs> oh, really? so it's it's so funny yeah my dad did four terms of vietnam and named me after an air force base so you know when you're in trouble they always know your name right <laughs> 
<laughs> so in this particular case, when you're being, you know, um, recognized for the contribution of your life's work, you also remember my name, right? Kadina. So thank you so much, Amber. I'm so grateful. Yeah. Oh, I'm so grateful too. And we will continue to stay in touch. And yes. maybe after the launch of the book, we'll have you come back and okay. talk about some of the context within it, because then it'll be available for everyone and we can dive deeper. Yeah. Oh, I'd love that. Thank you. Absolutely. And thank you, amazing, amazing Suivera community. We are so grateful to have you with us today to hear all about Kadena and what she's bringing forward. And don't forget, our entire focus this month is about connection. And we love connecting with you. We have the tool that can help you navigate through connection and building those meaningful connections within our Heart Leader Toolbox completely free. So if you venture on over, you can find it at suivera.org, or there's a link right under here where you can get access to that tool. Until next time, we look forward to seeing you in our Suivera community. You've been listening to the Heart Leader Podcast with your host, Amber, where heart and mind align. Tune in weekly as we take a deeper dive into what it means to be a heart leader. Ready to take the next step? Join us and over 1 million people worldwide who've united in creating this global movement of love. Become a heart leader for today and tomorrow. Learn more and connect with us at suivera.org.